All right, hello, hello, hello. This is the Creed Cast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good yesterday, good tomorrow, wherever you're listening from. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. Um, as I say every time, I do appreciate it. Um, everyone that supports and listens and, and takes something out of the ramblings I provide each week. Um, again, apologies for the delay. I guess, I don't know. I, I try to get at least one out a week. Sometimes it's two. Um, but I'm getting to a review quite late again, but it does mean that I get to do the preview at the same time, um, which sometimes I don't get to. So, you know, there's positives in everything. I'm a bit feeling a bit under the weather, so I apologise if I'm even more off track today is than usual. Um, I don't even know why. I think it's just a little bit run down. Um, not for any particular reason. Um, just working on a few different things. Um, you know, keeping busy and and uh, and just you know sometimes and then. Living over here and I got, you know, doing something, you know, watching things that are happening in Australia as well. My, I have a, you know, an, an odd, um, sleep schedule at times. Not too often. I generally try to keep pretty solid hours as I believe it's a good thing for your health. But, you know, when you're watching a poor game late at night or whatever, and, and it's just, um, and yeah, just a bit run down. So, uh, but, you know, all good. Nothing, nothing major. Just, you know, just, just when you, you burn the candle at both ends a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty, you know, pretty good at trying to, you know, recognizing that and trying to readjust again, but um, still feeling it today. Um, had a little night uh, after the wifey finished work yesterday. We went to Knott's Berry Farm, one of the theme parks down here in LA, so, you know, I only got back from there at 10, 30, 11 last night, so that's partly part of it, but, you know, it's nice to be able to just uh, spend a few hours at the theme park. We have, like, the season passes for the place, so it's, you know, you can just drop in and have a couple of drinks and do a ride or two and, and not worry about fitting everything in because you can just do it as whenever you want really so that's kind of cool but anyway here we go saying apologies for rambling um and then i'm just starting the podcast rambling but um anyway yeah 10 a.m here um in la we're about uh 14 or 15 hours away from first bounce tonight for our port adelaide footy club playing western bulldogs um over in melbourne friday night footy so another big test um you know, I've been saying that a bit lately. The last couple of weeks um, weren't the biggest of tests, but I think this one's probably the biggest test that's been presented to us um, since uh, Melbourne a few weeks back, which was Friday Night Footy as well. Um, I've been blessed with a couple of nice, you know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock um, kickoff times here the last couple of weeks with the Richmond and Hawthorne games. I'm back to a 2.50 a.m. kickoff here. So we'll see um, if I watch it live or if, um, depending on how I'm feeling, if I watch it on replay um, tomorrow morning. Um, our time in LA, but I'm hoping I'm, I might just crash in the couch for a few hours and be able to wake up and watch it live, which is always my preference. I like watching live. I get that, you know, that FOMO if I don't. Um, but we're coming off the backs of a pretty handy win over Hawthorne, but one that's, um, God, I've never seen the Port Adelaide Twitter sphere and Instagram sphere and whatever social media sphere you want to speak of more divided after a game as far as their moods swinging across the space of two hours and there is some validity to it um i myself was a little bit just you know and i'm just going to be honest as i always am i always speak my mind live when the game's going and i'll do it again here um just as i get into kind of talking about it i was a little bit disappointed that we dropped back from a pretty handy percentage boosting win um at one point in that game i think the biggest lead we had is 96 points ends up a 55 point win which is handy, and I'm happy with that. I think if you listened to the preview last week, um, or the last week's podcast episode that included my preview thoughts, I was going to be, you know, going into the game, I thought anything north of 40 points was going to be handy, because I don't think Hawthorne um, 
they're, they're one of the worst sides in the competition, but there's a fair distinction between them as a bad side and uh, compare it compared to uh, West Coast and um, even North Melbourne, who are an interesting commodity at the moment. I don't know what to make of North Melbourne's footy at times. They can they can really test test sides and and make it difficult, and then you know the next week they can look pretty pretty abject. So, um, but for Hawthorne, I think there is a, I think they beat North Melbourne this year. Um, and uh, and you know obviously they beat West Coast by a hundred points. So you kind of there's a very large distinction between two sides that are hanging around the bottom of the table. That Hawthorne are a far better side than West Coast. And, you know West Coast put up a fight against um, Collingwood for a little while there last week, and you know Collingwood I think end up stretching it out to about a ten goal win. But you know Collingwood fans could be. Um, forgiven for having the same complaints so it's kind of this is kind of the theme i'm getting to here football is not binary and linear in the sense that we sometimes hope it could be and you know sometimes we're too we can be too guilty of looking at another side beating um hawthorne you know smashing hawthorne around a bit and thinking oh that's what we can do and then we do it in the first half and go that's what we should do and we should keep doing it and we don't understand that even even within within a game the the prospects of a side um, and how they're playing and what they can do can change dramatically and we've seen Port do we've seen Port have big comebacks against sides you know and, and we've been blessed at times this year by um, coming back into a game that we weren't expected to you know I, w- I would say um, the Sydney game earlier in the year again I go back to is one that we um, you know Sydney had us on the ropes twice and we just managed to fight our way back somehow and get a win that um, I think wasn't wasn't one of our better performances, but it was the right performance at the right moment in the game, which is sometimes what you got to do to win, and that's why it makes it a legitimate win still, even if we weren't at our best for large periods on that day. Um, you know, and a few other games this year that we've been down, down, and kind of looking like we're on the ropes when we come back and won. So, you know, there are teams, um, opposition fans of ours that are um, probably having the same complaints, like oh, we should we should be beating them, uh, being in that position, or we should be winning by more, or you know, we're losing and. And whatever. So, when you look at that first half against Hawthorne, it was blisteringly good footy. Um, probably the best I've seen a Port Adelaide team play um, in a complete domination, attacking way. Um, maybe since then, you know, you've always got to kind of put the opposition, uh, you know, rank them a little bit. So, you know, maybe since that Richmond preliminary final, I do I do often think that the qualifying final first half against Geelong in 2021 is fairly underrated as well. I think we really absolutely torched Geelong that night. Obviously, the margin disparity was not the same, but, um, you know, considering the opposition, we really, really were dominant against uh, Geelong that night. But, you know, as far as, you know, really just putting a team to the sword and embarrassing them... Um, you know, maybe that Richmond first quarter was very similar to the kind of relentless pressure um, that we saw against Hawthorne for the entirety of the first half, more or less. Um, you know, just... And the performance was spectacular. Forward, forward line pressure. I think the tackles inside forward 50 are something ridiculous. I think it's like 17 to 2 or 3, I think, at the end of the game still. Um, but obviously that was fairly, fairly much to do with what happened in the first half. Um, and to be leading by 82 at a half time, um, I think the first time a team's been over 100 points at half time for a while, and they had the, the the margin at half time as well as one that most teams, well, all teams would always be happy to be winning a game by 82 points. And I guess that's the 
story when you go into the second half is like, you know, you're disappointed to lose that lead. But my assertion on the night was, and while I was still a bit, I did say if it drops below 60 points on Twitter on the night, watching live, I'd be a bit disappointed. And I was a bit frustrated. I was a bit frustrated in the sense that we really, the pressure dropped right off. And then you started seeing in the last quarter, and a um, friend of the pod, Jamie, um, mentioned it on Twitter as well. It was a hot day, um, and you know some would say, "Well, Hawthorne ran out of the game," and then my, and then you could say back to that, and well, Hawthorne didn't fucking play in the first half either. So of course they had more legs. We, the pre, the pressure and the intensity we played out in that first half was something, I think, and a lot of people that were commenting on the game mentioned was was scary good, um, and you you cannot play at that level, um, particularly when the game, you know. Players, I would like to see them. I think there was probably a level they could go to, but there was also, I think, a a game plan in place that was like, okay, the game's won. We're not gonna. We just can't go at this level and risk unnecessary injury. Blah 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 blah. And you know, people would say, oh, it's and you know, the Port Adelaide way is, you know, never, you know, never, never stop stopping or whatever. I don't know. You get those nuffies on Twitter that just expect a player to be a robot through four quarters and just and, and if any drop off um, and any drop off in intensity is an absolute black mark on their career at Port Adelaide and it's just not the way we've got to live in reality here a little bit people and and you know Scott Lysett being subbed early in that third quarter um, was essentially because he was a massive part of and he has been pretty impressive coming back in he's not he's not a top ruckman in the competition he's never going to be at this point um, but what he's providing is that centerpiece to that to he's playing the ruck role and um he's getting taps and he's at least at least battling and sometimes it's you know sometimes it's not that you're not going to battle and and win the taps like the elite ruckman in the competition but you're at least you've got the ruck craft to be able to make it difficult on the other ruckman as well and and you kind of saw it, it switched at that point it made it even easier for hawthorne to get first hands on the ball um and the, and they're they kind of had run in their legs, and they had, and they've got some pretty decent players through the middle there. And obviously, we know well a couple of those players that played really well on the night, like the likes of Carl Amon and Jarman Impey. You know, we we loved them at Port Adelaide, and there was a good reason we did because they're good players. And and when you throw in the rest of the the rest of the pack they've got there, and you know, Luke Bruce kicks five, and he's you know kicked his five hundred goal on the night. Clearly, a, you know, he's a three time Premiership player, and obviously one of the Hawthorne greats. So they've they've got good players scattered around that field and they're a far better team than being down 82 points at half time so when you and this is what makes it so difficult to talk about a match like this is because we're so happy and and we want to and and we do want to build percentage and we do need to build percentage when we have the opportunities and this is the one thing when you look at the top four right now we are the team there's a far lesser percentage than the rest i think there are the rest of the teams melbourne brisbane and collingwood um, are all north of 120, and we were, I think, maybe even north of 123, 124, and we were at 120 at one point, and then we've dropped back to 116 at the at the end result of the game. So that is the one point of disparity. But then, you know, and people were, and those commentators were making comment of that on that of the night on the night. Again, I told you I was going to fumble at times here. Um, but. The other thing, the most important thing when you look at the ladder right now is we're two games clear in second. So what in our game plan is presenting the opportunity to be in this position at this point? It's our ability to know when the game's there to be won and lost. And we won the game in the first half and were able to coast our way to a 55-point win. 
Again, I would like to be building more percentage, but I don't think Hawthorne are as bad a team as they presented in that first half. And I think they've shown at times this year with some um, pretty tough, um, you know, some tough games against some good teams. Um, you know, they they should have they were unlucky to lose to Adelaide down in Tas- Tasmania. Although you know, who know, you know, the big talk with Adelaide this week has been their their away form. So that's a part of part of that storyline as well. But still, Hawthorne probably should have won that game. Um, and they're, like I said, they're a team that beat the actual worst team in the competition at the moment, West Coast, by 100 points. Bad teams don't win by 100 points. Um, you know, average teams can, and maybe that's, I think that's where Hawthorne are at. I think they're just, they're at the bottom, t- bottom. for me, their best footy is kind of at that bottom line of um, the, the kind of the middle six. I think they're going to finish lower than that just because I think there's there's a real log jam there and Hawthorne is just still figuring it out and and obviously that first half kind of shows that they're still figuring it out because that first half was an aberration. They were just complete, completely lost um, and dominated by a superior team and didn't know how to handle it. But then they they managed to they showed that they're a team that has some good qualities in their in their abilities to you know fight back despite the fact they were never going to win that game. So you know there were reasons for how the game went. I've got to look at the positives of this game as well, and because um, I think that's what, uh, unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of negative focus of the, the way the game ended. You know, if we started off slow and then ended up winning by fifty-five points, then you know we we're talking about it and, and and dominated the second half the way we dominated the first half. It's just a completely different story, and and we're just we're just complaining about slow starts maybe or or something along those lines. But um, you know, it's a game that uh, did have a lot of positives because we did dominate, and again. It was some of the it was some of the you know the key guys that have really stepped up this year. And again, I I'll, I'll, this is just going to be the theme of the podcast this year as I, as I continue on because I'm really impressed with it. It's again the changing face of our midfield. It's the likes of Zach Butters having 26 disposals. Connor Rosie um, being best on uh, this week with 29 disposals. I think Rosie ended up with the eight coaches votes and uh, Butters ended up with four. I think the coaches votes. Uh, Butters and Dacos tied at the top again on 63 apiece. Um, so that's going to be an interesting battle all year because I think. This is the thing is like now we're going to we're going to kind of be dealing with what we did a couple of years ago when if we're talking you know we just want to talk about Brownlow stuff for a second here just for fun um you know last it was um what Ollie Wines Brownlow winning year he had 36 votes but then you know buddy Bokey ended up with 25 as well which kind of proves that you, you two players can have good vote totals because often you know the the theme and maybe the theme for uh some of those players that year was like you know Oliver and Petrarca stealing vote uh, excuse me, stealing votes off of each other, um, that kind of story. But so that might be the case with um, Zaki and Connor this year. But um, and I think Connor got the chocolates um, this round. But at the end of the day, it's a team game, and you know the Brownlow's fun to be a part of, and it's good. It's nice to have a winner in our stable now, um, and it's always good to have a player win that individual accolade as a as a recognition of their incredible performance. But it's not the be all and end all, and and the at the end of the day, it is incredible to have the likes of Butters and Rosie both um, being real key linchpins in that um, in that forward line and and kicking goals as well. I think it's important. It's always good when you have those midfielders that are racking up you know twenty five to thirty five disposals a game, um, that kind of number having a real impact. Um, you know clearances and all that stuff because I think there was nine clearances between the two of them as well, four and five apiece. Uh, Butters with four, Rosie with five. Um, and then they get a goal, um, or a goal or two. And, you know, Ollie Wines had a goal in this game. Um, I think, did Horn Francis end up with a goal in this one as well? Because there's one thing I've, I'm liking about Horn Francis. He's just popping up with a goal um, every game and a half or something like that as well. It's kind of, you know, and he's just showing um, that he's kind of that goal-scoring midfielder role. 
as well. Um, speaking of Ollie Wines, by the way, um, a good 24 disposal game again. He's really starting to come into kind of that, you know, really finding his role in this kind of new look midfield a little bit as well. Uh, 24 disposals, um, 17 handballs out of that 24 disposals. So he's really kind of dishing it and, and, and getting in and getting in and under and getting the ball and getting it out by hand and getting it moving, kind of being that, um, that link-up uh, midfielder in there as well. And interestingly, you know, we look at Butters and Rosie numbers, and they're 83. They, they've got um, their time on ground is 83% of the game. They're on the ground um, and getting 26 and 29. Uh, Ollie Wine's 24 disposals was um, with just um, just a touch, uh, 71, yeah, 71% time on ground. So he's making the most of his time on ground um, more and more as the weeks go on here. So um, really, you know, Ollie Wine started the season slow, which was understandable with his um, preseason. Um, being hampered by um, um, some knee 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 work in the off season, um, but he's kind of finding his role. You know, he's not the Brownlow winning Ollie Wines, and whether he'll exactly be that again, even if he's just fighting fit and everything, just because it's a different role now um, with Butters and Rosie really really um, becoming an in- integral part of that midfield now. Um, and you know, Jason Horn Francis in there as well, and Willem Drew's playing his role, and it's just it's just a different midfield completely to just two years ago when Wines was that. Um, you know, 36 Brownlow vote getter, just the way it is. But it doesn't mean he's not um, an integral part of it. And, you know, he had 90 AFL fantasy points. And like I said, 71% time on ground. He's getting 24 disposals out there and um, getting tackles, getting clearances and, and doing playing his role um, exactly as we want it. So, and that's all we can ask. Um, the other one, the big one, and just again, like I said, I'm just a podcaster. I don't know shit. Um, Marshall coming, you know, I was just like, oh, Marshall, I'm worried about his concussions. And I still do worry that he had two um, in a short space of time. But he came back and had 16 disposals, 12 kicks, five got five goals, one, um, 10 marks, just dominating um, in this game. Obviously, Finlayson had the five goals as well, all early, and, and looked like he could go on and score 10 or 15 at one point. But um, he scored and when it, when it counted, he won the game when it, when it counted as well. And he had a good disposal game, um, 15 kicks and five uh, nine marks as well. So just both of them standing tall up there and, and really playing a role. Um, and really, you know, like I said, winning the game when it counted. When the game when the game was there to be won, they were kicking goals and, and, and putting it out of reach of Hawthorne. So uh, really impressed with kind of just those kind of role players again, just um, getting in and under and, 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 you know, just this new look midfield again. I'm just loving, loving the look of it. And, you know, Horn Francis... Um, 18 disposals, so you know what, not one of his best games in our colours, but not 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 bad either. I'm just saying, you know, he's he's had better games, um, obviously. Um, but you know, it's not that it's it's a, bad, it's a bad game either. It's just um, it's one of those games that he can't like, you know, he was he, but the effort in that um, when he, he gets in the marking contest, kind of near the square there, and then and then the ball comes to ground, he chases after it, gets the ball out to Rosie, who snaps one from what the 40, 35, 40 out on on the angle. It's kind of those kind of um, unsung efforts that we're we're loving from having Horn Francis on the side, and again, as a kid that's just nineteen, um, playing such a role in this in this really nice looking midfield as well, um, learning from the best uh, and and playing in a side playing good footy. It's only got to be this is the best possible year we could have asked for for Horn Francis to come in and play and and start playing in Port Colours because he's just getting such an education. From a wide variety of midfielders in there, and 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 learning learning the craft so much so much faster. Like, I think we all knew he's a pretty good handy player already at this age, but I really find him to be, um, you know, I think he's learning the craft quite quickly, and and, and it's just, it's just going to be stamina and and the and the little intake little things 
about positioning and and all those kind of things that come with the game. But as far as what he's providing at the moment, I'm just really, really impressed with it. Stats-wise, for the team stats or whatever and all that jazz, yeah, you like jazz? Um, I don't have too much to say on it. It was a dominating performance. You know, it was, it was complete domination. The end-of-game stats don't really tell the story because, you know, we're down, I think, minus 14 in contested possessions. But that, you know... That's just changed in the second half. Um, you know, they had fucking 50 more disposals than we did for the match. Um, disposal efficiency was 76% apiece, basically, for both teams, which I found was just... It's just the day. It was a beautiful day for footy. Um, it was obviously hot, um, and that kind of had, had an effect on our legs late. I think I meant to mention earlier, but you could see in the likes of Jeremy Finlayson just when he took a mark on the wing late in the fourth quarter. He's just trying to slow the game down just to catch a breath, and he like, gives off a little kick, and you could just tell he was, they, they were just completely gassed. But as far as the um, you know efficiency goes for disposal, it was um, a good day for it because it was just you know the ball was clean, um, clean and dry, and, and it was a good sunny day. So it's just you, you're going to just be handling the ball better. Um, the efficiency inside fifty, uh, Hawthorne won it for the match by three percent, which is again mostly down to that that second half, um, and they were just getting the ball in there easy. They're taking I think it was fifteen marks apiece inside the forward fifty. Um, which again they took a lot of those in that second half uh, when the game was done and dusted anyway uh, incredibly we had 72 inside 50s for the match which has got to be I don't know when when the last time we hit 70 was uh, I, sh- I should have probably looked it up before the podcast and made this far more interesting for you for you listeners but you know I, I don't prepare well enough and that's my, that's on me um, but 72 inside 50s to 52 um, our season average is 50 just just a tick under 58 so it just shows that we really really got the ball inside 50 um just at will um especially early in the game and and you know kind of had a you know a match winning score in total and an inside 50 number and all that at half time and and again as a tale of two halves and there are a lot of reasons for it but the fact the matter of fact is we won the game in the first half which is very very rare to be able to say because even if you go in you know 40 50 points up at half time and a lot of people a lot of people would say that's a match winning score but it, it isn't you know a team can still come back from that but when you go in 82 82 points 82 points up you're not giving that score up you know um and that's then that's exactly how it went so um clearances we won the clearance battle pretty well which considering um you know this i think the start of the game was really really good um let me get back to the players that's so to see where did forget to look um, early uh, where Lysett's numbers were on the hitouts, but yeah, he had 15 hitouts, which we had 25 for the game. So he had, and you know, that was more or less he had the 15 hitouts in the first half. Um, so you know, he was kind of again uh, the hitouts ended up being 25 for us, 39 for them, and a lot of that changed in that second half. Um, but we still won the clearance battle, set out of the centre as well as a stoppage, um, and obviously those numbers were um, greatly greatly changed by the kind of the, the switch at halftime as well. So. You know, there's just not much to say about it and in, in beyond that, you know, the, it's just a game that was incredibly... Again, uh, one thing I did say earlier, I think I said we had 17 tackles inside 50 to 2 or 3 for them. It was just one for them. So the forward 50 pressure in the first half, which has been um, where our, our game has been so much better since uh, since those first couple of rounds of the season, is our forward 50 pressure... Is kind of where our defence starts. You know, you, you kind of saw in that second half when we let the ball go um, easily and transition through the middle and get down, our defence doesn't work as well, like actual defence. Um, defensive 50 doesn't work as well 
when the ball's getting getting out and down there easy. So we we start well by having the ball inside fifty and keeping it in there and kind of locking it in there with that with our press up behind. So um, and that first half is essentially where a lot of those forward fifty tackles came from. And and you know seventeen to one at the end of a match is just an in, insane stat um, and just kind of highlights where a lot of our good things happen um, in in the game. So. Alrighty, so we welcome uh, we welcome the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs welcome us to Marvel uh, this evening um, for a game that uh, it's quite intriguing, really. I, I I haven't been able to get a read on the dogs this year um, yet. Still, every time I think I'm getting a read on them, they kind of they kind of go the other way a little bit. You know, at the start of the year, they, they started rough, obviously. A couple of pretty pretty um, heavy losses to Melbourne and St Kilda off the bounce and they get a, they get a close win um, sneak one across the line um, by a couple of goals against Brisbane down in Melbourne and you know whether what do you want to talk about Brisbane this year with their losses away from home um, isn't you know, there's some context there and they sneak across the line against the Richmond we then sneak across the line against them and in a, in a, a game that was very much affected by weather and, and conditions and and certainly a good game despite that in what Port were able to do that day. Um, pretty handy win against Frio after that, and, and then they get another a win against Hawthorne. Um, only by 29 points, again, one of those results that kind of shows the team that Hawthorne are. Um, a close win against GWS away um, the week after that. Um, and then they get they get a close one against Carlton as well, which, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you want to say about that as well. Pretty handy win against Adelaide, probably their best win of the year as far as just complete domination. Um, but then they lose the last couple of weeks um, against Gold Coast and then um, Geelong last week as well. And Geelong, again, one of those teams that's uh, not playing the best. Their kicking has certainly been an issue in, in some of these games. You know, Adelaide, they should have had well out of reach, um, you know, um, early, early, early on and, and should have beaten them far more handily than they did. Well, like I said, you run through those results and it's just up and down. Never anything really consistent. Their best win of the year, like I said. Uh, maybe against Frio over there as well, actually, I would say. is possibly um, probably their better result of the year. That one could have been far more heavier if they'd, um, they'd kicked. They were just 17-16 um, in that game. Kick a bit straighter, that's a 10-goal-plus win. Um, but, you know, you look at the result against the Gold Coast, it's a bit disappointing. The Gold Coast playing, uh, played pretty well up in Darwin and, and had a couple of good wins on the bounce. And certainly not Gold Coast, are the, one of the worst teams. But... Um, Again, like I said, it's just the main theme of it is it's hard to get a read on on how good they are because you see them play some really good footy at times. I was watching a bit of the last time I actually watched them play at length. Um, despite besides our game um, earlier in the season was the the uh, actually the one against Adelaide, not for any reason, but I was standing in line for a cinema a screening and and I uh, just had time to watch the game and um, they're pretty dominant, moved the ball well, but. You know, you just, you're not seeing the consistency out of them, and that's what makes this game such a hard one to get a read on, because, you know, I am favouring us, obviously, and especially when you're on a nine-game win streak, you just kind of have to ride the streak a little bit. Um, but, it's you know, it's over at Marvel, uh, which the dogs play all right, but <laughs> we've actually got the best winning streak in the leagues there, I still think, I think at the moment, with eight wins on the bounce there, so... It's um it's an intriguing matchup in the sense that both teams it's a, a field that both teams um, will be going across there feeling pretty confident of a win, and um and again I just can't get a read on them. But um anyway, with selections, um it's an interesting one. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with ours. 
Uh, it's an interesting one on our front. Um, so some bigger missions. Um, Riley Bond is out. Ryan Burton's out, which I think has surprised a few, but is um, a testament, I guess, to some of the players that are coming back. Um, the selection squeeze that's on a little bit, and just matchups because. I look at the back line and I, I go, I don't know where, um, you know, I don't, I think Darcy Byrne Jones is actually, you know, he's been dropped this year and he's come back and worked his way into into form again, playing a little bit of the swingman role, a little bit that Burton has as well, but I think Byrne Jones has just been a little bit more defined in his role and probably, particularly the last few weeks, a bit better. Um, Mackenzie, Houston, Farrell, Willie, Williams, and yeah, Williams has just not, done nothing wrong to, to warrant being dropped, so... You look at that and go, oh, okay, so you know Burton's struggling to fit in there just at the moment. Um, not that I don't think he does when he, you know, it's just a matchups thing as well. And um, then the forward line, we've got, you know, we've got Boke, Boke back and Dixon's back, so you, you're losing that kind of when we were at, we were struggling out forward. Burton was really key to filling in there um, to be a bit of a marking target, decent kick and user down there. Obviously, the defensive pressure he puts on as well. But when you're having Dixon and, and Boat come back in, um, it just doesn't leave the room. And obviously, we've seen Ollie Lords, the other one, to to be dropped this week as well. Um, you know, he's he's come in and 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 played a pretty good role. But obviously, you you Dixon fit. Dixon's in the side, and he's they kind of play the same role with Marshall back as well. Finlayson obviously in there, and Scott Lysett in the ruck, and going to be playing a bit of forward as well. There's just no room for Lord to stay in that side at the moment. I think it'll be good for Lord's development now. He's had a few weeks in, up in the AFL. He's got a feel for it. He can go back down and develop develop some of those things a little bit more in the sand for a while. While um, a position is not available for him in the AFL side, but he's certainly shown that he's um, a worthy, you know, he's worthy of the call up if 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 and when needed. And, and certainly as as his development goes forward into the future and and trying to lock down a side going into next year and the year after and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, um, with those selections in mind, we've, we're seeing with Dixon and and Boker in, but it's also um, Josh Sin has been named in the starting side as well, rather than just being the sub, uh, which will be good for him to get a run. I think uh, it's an unfair spotlight to put on where he was at in last weekend's game, considering uh, you know the whole second half just went against us. The whole side just wasn't playing the same way they were in the first half, so. He was kind of like many of those players, chasing rather than actually getting to have a bit more of the game his way. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I think it's a deserved shot, um, you know, for a player that's been unlucky with the injury since he's come in as a highly touted, you know, our first draft pick a couple of years ago. So I'm excited to see how he goes with a start on the field in a, in, in a matchup against a pretty good midfield as well. You know, this is the kind of midfield you're going to find out a fair bit about where your game's at against as well. So. It's a good opportunity for Josh Sin. Um, apart from that, you know, I, Burton's obviously been named in the emergencies alongside Riley Bonner, Ollie Lord, and Francis Evans. I'd imagine Burton, um, as long as there's no injury niggle that they're worried about as well, I think he did get a knock a couple of weeks ago, but I think he's fine, more or less. But um, beyond that, I would expect Burton to be the sub. You know, he's such a... Obviously, I think he's one of the most indispensable players on our side. Somewhat ironic to say. Um considering the situation this week but it's just um but i think he's if you can have ryan burton in, as the sub i think you just got to go with him considering his vers- versatility where you can plug him in on the field if if and when needed in the game tactically or otherwise um francis evans obviously has played a pretty good similar role in that sense but i think when burton's available as well he's got to be the sub unless they really unless they're either wanting him to get a run in the, in the sandfall for some reason 
I just can't imagine him um, being anything but the sub. I think when he got Burton available, he's got to be um, the sub in this side. So that's how I see it all going for us there. We'll have a look at the Doggies lineup here. All right, so we're not the only team in this matchup bringing in some changes. Uh, the Doggies have got four changes, I think, I believe. Um, they've got brought in, shaking it up in the defense a little bit, uh, bringing in uh, Alex Keith and Josh Bruce to come back in there as alongside... Um, uh, Ryan Gardner and, oh, sorry, uh, Riley West and Le Leith Vandermeer. So Vandermeer, uh, uh, Keith, and Bruce, 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 I just suddenly got a lisp for a second there. I'm struggling today, as I said at the top. <laughs> um, but yeah, Keith, Bruce, and Vandermeer are all, all going into that back line. So really shaking it up in the back lines, um, trying to shake things up a little bit, considering they're um, a couple of poor results. In defending um, and trying to, and you know defending and making sure they can keep the opposition to a a, a score a beatable score, uh, so and considering the kind of the the tall timber we've got and how dangerous we've been as well, they've probably looked at what we've been doing down forward and and kind of the versatility we're showing and they they try to shake it up a bit, get some get some experience back there like you know Alex Keith, formerly of the Crows. Um, Bruce has been deployed, redeployed down back pretty handily after you know a decent career as a forward as well. But it's tall timber and 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 some experience down there alongside the likes of Jurea and Dale and Co. Um, so it'll be an interesting defensive matchup, um, which will really is really going to come down to for us is um, you know our, our entries inside fifty and our ability to move the ball quickly at times when we're at our best over the over the past month or two has really led us to actually getting, you know, more open forward opportunities and all that stuff. So, um, particularly kind of the mix um, down forward with, a, you know, Pal Pepper and, and, and you know, Junior Real had a pretty good game last week when he got the hands on the ball with, an, with the ability um, and, you know, close enough to goal to utilise his, his talents to get the ball through the big sticks. So, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I expect us to... Handle they're pretty you know it's, it's shaking it's you know the structure you know, you get a bit of a shake up in the structure down there and it's obviously obvious experience so I don't expect that to change too much but um, considering how we've been playing um, you know it's all going to come down to how we move the ball you know when we get stuck um, is always when we you know when the ball yeah, starts becoming bomb forward that's when they're going to eat it up so we're going to need to um, you know eyes down. Move the ball quickly and, and utilize the chance to get the ball into some space there, and rather rather than let it get locked down a bit. Um, otherwise, um, the real the real big um, story. Of this is like you know two of the more elite, special kind of midfield units. You've got the likes of obviously Bon and Pelly's just one of the one of the great players to watch. Um, obviously, when we play against him, he annoys the fuck out of me, but he's one of those players. It's just a joy to watch as a as a midfield unit. Um, Bailey Smith, obviously, one of his young talents, came in the same draft as he was the same draft as um, Rosie and Butters. I'm not 100 sure. Um, there's been a lot of lists of redrafts about that draft um, coming out recently as well. And I swear his name was on there. So um, that's always what I thought. Anyway, um, and you know, Smith, McRae, um, obviously, you know, Liber in there as well. A tough little nugget, and you know, Caleb Daniel, Tim English in the ruck, who's probably you know one of the elite rucks in the comp right now. It's a tough ask going up against that midfield, but with our, you know, butters and, you know, we had a similar competition, uh, a similar competitive kind of uh, similarity. Jeez, I'm struggling today. Uh, against Melbourne a few weeks ago. I'm just fucking losing, losing the ability to speak the English language right now. Um, 
against Melbourne a few weeks ago, you know, similarly talented midfield units is what I was trying to get to. Um, and, you know, it was a very, it was a elite battle, but it kind of was the battle that the, that the likes of Bud is, obviously with his 42 disposal game, rose to, and Rosie played really well as well. That's what I expect here is I think we're getting to the stage that these guys are really rising to the challenge uh, and believing that they're as good as these midfield units. Um, and it's going to be an intriguing battle. I don't expect this... Um, I'm going to be tipping that we're winning this game, but I think it's going to be like a 20, you know, 21 point win kind of thing. Um, it's always what I do. Anytime I do tipping, um, and you have to pick that one, the one margin. If it's a game where I just think it's going to be close, I always go with 21 points. I don't know why. Um, just, just my little thing. But um, yeah, the one thing that'll be really interesting as well is how our defense handles because it's it is the one thing like Cody Waitman, their forward line has been operating at great strengths. But Waitman and Norton always seem to have decent games. I think Waitman had four goals against this back at, um, a couple of months ago. Um, he seems to always find a, find the ball and kick a few. Norton's had some success. Um, you know, Jamar has not played against us too much, but, you know, he's in the side now. And, and you know, it'll be an interesting battle. I think it'll be one of the bigger battles at um, our forward line because just because of the, the versatility in their forward line as well. Um, it's going to be an intriguing battle in that sense. Obviously going to be different conditions because, you know, we're playing at Marvel, so it'll be under the roof. Um, completely different to the last game we played, so it's, you can't really draw many comparisons to that as far as conditions go because the ball use is going to be different, um, obviously different field, um, none of the conditional aspects to be able to draw any comparisons to. So I expect it to be a bit more of a cleaner game, um, which will work well for the, the midfields, that the, the, the opposing midfields, as well as that ball use inside 50 and stuff like that. So... One of those games that's really intriguing to me. I expect us to win. Um, I hope it tip us to win. Obviously, I'm biased. But um, I, I do believe we have what it takes to beat this side. But it's going to come down to a lot of um, attitude things. You know, come out the way we did at the start of that Hawthorne game. We'll be fine. Um, as well as just um, handling the matchups, not getting into that, any of that panic mode, bombing it forward, all that kind of stuff. And we'll be um, more than okay. But I think it'll be. I think it's going to be a battle. It's going to be one that we win by. I think... I don't see us winning by more than four goals, but, you know, a similar result to last time, actually, you know, that 14 to 20, 24 point kind of range would be nice. I'd be satisfied and happy with that. All right. I'm just about to wrap it up here because I'm absolutely dying. Um, but I just wanted to give a shout out to um, the, the Sandville side last week. Went down in a bit of a, I guess you could say it's a heartbreaking result, um, three or four points to the Eagles, but um Impressive debut for um, Quinton Arkle out there. He had um, 29 disposals uh, and was really handy in that side, but, you know, best of field. Alongside Trent Dumont, who had 32 disposals as well. Another of those depth pieces we have lying there in the SNFL, should they be needed. Um, but, you know, for Narkle to come in and, and, and hit the ground running with 29 disposals in his first game in the side, you know, four days after he's been drafted. I know he's probably expecting, you know, they Hinkley and him had chatted earlier in the week and whatever, so he knew he was coming to port unless someone else rose their hand up. But, um, you know, a really impressive debut. You know, obviously, there's a real selection crunch on, as we've seen, with the likes of, you know, Ryan Burton um, being dropped from the side, um, the starting side at least. Um, so when Narkel gets that opportunity, he'll be interesting to see. But you've got you've got guys like Jocelyn who are getting an opportunity this week. He'll either take it or he'll, you know, he might be in and out. There's there's opportunity. So if Narco can keep up that kind of performance, 
that's another guy in the um in the sandful kind of um doing work and and providing us some depth and and the magpies have been playing a lot better more competitive fo- football this year you know, last year was pretty horrible they were losing games from by 60 80 100 at times without firing a shot really and it was quite embarrassing you know scoring shots weren't there and anything like that whereas this game you know, we kicked one goal late in the first quarter of this the game against the Eagles last weekend. So if we kick straight, um, there's every chance we win that game pretty um, with a re- with a little bit of a buffer. Actually, you know, if we even kick you know, five goals, three or something in the first quarter, or no, five goals, four or whatever, um, you know, just changes the result completely because we were far, by far better early on there, and unfortunately just got um, gypped a bit in the end. So positive sign in the, in the sample as well. Good. Good start for Narkle coming in off the mid-season draft and and uh, just good stuff to keep an eye on there. Like I said, I don't get to watch the games over here. Um, I'd like to keep up with them a bit more, but I just don't. So I'm, I unfortunately can't give you too much more context on it. But um, I just wanted to highlight that. And, you know, for anyone that's interested, you know, to go out and have a look at the highlights or find a replay or whatever um, to see how we played. Um, but certainly... Um, not surprised at all. I think he's he's quite a good he's quite a, quite a little bit of talent there, and just didn't quite work out for him long. And and who knows what it'll what it'll translate to in any AFL appearances at Port. But certainly um, our Magpies are better for it, which is also um, you know something to consider as a Port fan. You know that's the basis of our history right there, and and um, and certainly good to see um, some positive performances um, at that level. Even if we're not you know we're not you know rising to the top of the table or anything like that, but we're competitive. Playing some decent footy um, and uh, and you know got some good performances down there and some players playing some good footy that are you know putting their hand up for selection should they be needed so all good all good signs um, at both levels at the moment obviously our AFL team is flying Sandful just um, coasting along there with it, getting a few wins and 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 losing some close ones but um, a lot better than what we saw um, at times last year when it was pretty got pretty horrific there for uh, for a good good long period so. Better signs, which um, you know, you, you always notice that you're, uh, you know, when sides going well um, at both levels, it kind of, you know, you can see the confidence kind of grows through the squad, which is um, something that I think is really important with the sides being back together and how how it how it operates now. So, anyway, that's a small note to end on. Um, but otherwise, yeah, looking forward to the game tonight. Um, as you as you've noticed, as the whole way through, I, th- I thank you for sticking with the podcast if you have this far, because. Been struggling through the whole time. I don't know what it is. Just suddenly getting allergies as well while I'm talking. I'm just like, this is just fucking horrible. But anyway, thank you for listening as always. Hopefully, I'll be watching it live later. Um, uh, but we'll see how we go with it, how I'm tracking with whatever I'm dealing with at the moment. But um, yeah, I'll either be watching it live or watch the replay early tomorrow morning um, here in LA. And and hopefully, uh, we'll be um, quite untenable. Uh, uh, I've just stolen that joke from about five or ten people i've seen already do that one on twitter um so happily give the credit for that one on on for all the twitter users that have put that one out there but yeah 10 on the bounce would be a great result um but you know it's a tough one um certainly one of the tougher opponents we've had in the past uh, few weeks um you know melbourne and these ones but then yeah geelong coming up next week as well so and then the buy so it would be good to i think you know one and one in the next couple of weeks would be acceptable two and i would obviously be fantastic um so, but it'd be best if we can start off with a win tonight, and then you know whatever happens against Geelong next week at home happens there. By the way, keep an eye out. I'll, I will get the um, 
post up on Twitter and Instagram and whatever about the tickets for the Geelong game as well, um, with obviously all proceeds going to the Finlayson family. And that's about it. I'm done. I need a coffee and a water and a lie down. Um, I don't know how the coffee and a lie down will go together, but I fucking need coffee, I think. I don't know. Anyway, calm the pair. Let's get the fucking 10 wins on the bounce.